Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. This morning, all I want to do is preach to you a message called God's Gaps, or God Gaps. So we have just finished Christmas, and Christmas is said to be the most wonderful time of the year. Yes? It's the most wonderful time. We sing the song about it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's all behind you now. Okay, so the most wonderful time of the year is gone, and that, that's, that's over. So it's finished, so I'm really sorry to, to, to let you down. The most wonderful time has gone, and now we come to a different season that I would call the most reflective time of the year. And there is this thing that happens after Christmas, but before New Year's, and however it happens, I don't understand it completely myself, but it becomes the most reflective time of the year, where people begin to think about what they achieved throughout the year, what they did throughout the year. To be honest, sometimes on a, uh, on a Friday, I forget what I did on Monday. So, so it's hard to sort of think back and look over the year and, and realize everything that's happened and reflect on everything. But we do. We start to reflect on the things that we sometimes wish we didn't do. Sometimes it can just be the mistakes that you've made. There will be things that may come up in your mind where you say to yourself, well, I would not repeat that. I would not do that again. And you start to make plans for the new year. What am I going to do next year? What will be my plans next year? And it's important to think about that because we are coming up to a, a magical time called New Year's Eve. And, and, and I use the word magical intentionally because something magical is supposed to happen around New Year's Eve where you just get a fresh start. And I'm not sure why when the clock ticks over and it's January 1 that everything starts fresh again. I, I, I'm, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, people think that when the clock ticks over that it's all going to be new and different. But at the same time, it's as good a time as any to start making some resolutions about what you're going to do. A season that might be closed and a season that might be open. You start to think back maybe about the goals that you set for this year. And you know, some of those goals, you just carry them over in to the next year like maybe this year you had a weight loss goal and and you just delayed it all year and now you have one day left and it's pretty obvious it's going to be really hard to do what you were attempting to do for the last 364 days within the next 48 hours so so you know if if that's you and you're just going to move that goal to next year you know then seriously go for it get a bowflex um you know get the thigh master get get the shake weight get everything that you can by all means continue to pursue that weight loss goal you know but maybe for some of you 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 say well that's that's cute right but but my goals weren't quite as simple as that uh, I, I planned at the beginning of this year when we said it was going to be by His Spirit, I planned to have a mountain-crushing year. So in the, in the Old Testament, when they talk about mountains, mountains were often used and referred to as impossible problems, immovable objects. As you can imagine, if, you, if you're um, taking a path through life and you come to a mountain, it's this impossible thing that you can't seem to shift or break or change. And your 
goal this year was that that thing that maybe was even there for the last couple of years, that this would be the year for you that you would begin to crush it or that God would crush it so it would become something that you can just walk over. And so now, since New Year's Eve is tomorrow and you're aware that the mountain that you prayed for was going to be crushed, but you're aware that it's still there, you start to think and maybe even renegotiate some of the goals that you had. You start to recalibrate as you recognize that some of your plans, they didn't work out. And when you have plans, particularly plans that you've put before God, for mountains that you asked to be moved and they apparently still exist, to be honest, that can be so discouraging. So discouraging. And discouragement is a, is a horrible thing. It's, it's, it's often things or problems that we cannot change that we can get discouraged by. And if you become discouraged by something that you can't do a thing about, that's such a bad place to be, isn't it? Because you can't change it. So as long as it exists, your discouragement will continue to prevail. And when it comes to immovable objects that bring discouragement into your life, I would call that a gap. It's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. It's a gap that if you were able to cross, you would have done it already. But this is one that you can't cross. And there it exists, even in your mind, discouraging as it is. And this, by the way, is why so many people just give up on the direction that they intended to take. It's just really easy to quit when you become discouraged. I have often said, don't underestimate the power of discouragement. Discouragement has this way of taking people out. In fact, I shared this a little while ago, that most pastors will quit ministry after five years. And it's not because they haven't been met with some measure of success or that they haven't even done things well. It's just that they're discouraged. Discouragement is the number one reason why people in ministry quit. It's just the power of discouragement. See, it makes sense if you're discouraged about things that have not gone well for you. But the power of discouragement is works in such a way that it even begins to taint the good things that God has also done in your life. That's the power of discouragement. In fact, what, what discouragement will do in your life is it will draw your focus. And isn't it amazing how so many good things can be going well for you and there are so many positive things to celebrate. But the thing that people draw in on and begin to focus on is all the negativity when discouragement has overwhelmed them, when discouragement has overcome them. It it draws your focus. It taints your success. And if you 
have set out this year goals and plans and things that didn't come to fruition, you are not alone. There will be people in this room that would know how you feel. In fact, not even just in this room, but I I would suggest from the beginning of time, discouragement has been an issue for God's people. There is a story in in the Bible, and I'm not gonna read the whole story to you today for the sake of time. But there's a story in the Bible where God's people, they wanted to build a temple. And they began well. And how many of you understand that when you begin, you're filled with vision and passion and excitement and you have energy. And when you are delayed constantly and, and things don't work out and, you're, and it continues to just be reinforced over and over how difficult your vision is to come to fruition. How many of us would understand that that's when discouragement starts to really get over you? And so for the people of Israel, they started for a couple of years building their temple, building well, and then they met some political opposition that prevented them from being able to build the temple for 17 years. I don't know how long you've been waiting for your mountain to get crushed, but 17 years is a fair amount of time for someone to wait, for a group of people to wait for God to answer their prayers. I wonder what their New Year's resolutions were. I reckon that the first year that things didn't work out, they probably said, Next year is the year that we're building that temple. 2019 or whatever it was for them, you know. Next year is the year that we're going to build that temple. And then the next year came and things didn't work out. And so they, you know, they encountered all of that opposition. They got to the end of that year. And then they said, all right, so next year, okay, it didn't work out this year, but next year we will build that temple. Next year comes, uh, okay, it didn't work out again, but next year we will build that temple. Doesn't work out again. Okay, I'm starting to feel like maybe we should redirect our energy and focus, maybe away from the temple to other things. This is when people begin to get a loss of clarity over their vision because they're so discouraged. They think that what God spoke to them about was about to become an impractical reality. So people begin to shift. Next year comes, you know, uh, uh, okay, uh, I'm not so sure that God is in building this temple anymore. I thought, how many of you felt like this? I thought that I heard from Him, but now with increasing opposition, I'm starting to think that I should rethink and recalibrate the goals that I had in the beginning. I'm, I'm not so sure this is going to work out. Next year comes along again. You know what? I don't like temples. I hate temples. You know what? You know what? Hey, hey you know what, guys? You know what we don't need? We don't need a temple, you know? I, I, I feel like we should just quit this and walk away. Now, obviously, they didn't do that. But how many years could you face discouragement for before you get a loss of clarity and vision over what you feel God has spoken to you about? My point is that even when you follow God's plans, it doesn't always appear to work out because God's plans have God gaps. God's plans have God gaps. They have impossible problems mountains 
that only he can crush. Things that only God can shift. And even in his plans, when he's spoken to you, and you know it's from him, there will still come a time where there will be a mountain that will only ever be moved by him. And if you're not there today, well, God bless you. But for everybody else that is journeying through life, you will eventually come to one of these. And if you think that maybe these are just standalone moments or that you're unique and maybe this doesn't happen to everyone else, the Bible is just filled with stories about people that have had mountains in their way that needed them to be crushed. If you consider uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah wasn't even tried to build a temple. He just wanted a wall and some gates. And that seems like that should be a simple thing to do, but it was an incredible challenge that again was met with more opposition. At this time in Israel's history, there were exiles and, and so the, this man named Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And, and one day he's sort of just downcast because he had discovered that the, that the walls were, were broken down and the gates were burned with fire. And so the king, King Xerxes, says to him, he says, hey, why are you so dismayed? Why are you so upset right now? He says, why shouldn't I be upset? He says, my city, the, the city that I come from, the walls are broken down and, and, and the gates have been burnt with fire and 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 obviously in that moment, he saw something that needed to be shifted, something that needed to be changed. And the king comes to him and he says, all right, well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go ahead and do that. And so he goes ahead and he begins the process. But you you betcha, there were God gaps all over the place. Things that just prevented them from being able to move forwards and building Uh, uh, that thing that he wanted to build, the thing that was in his heart. See, God will put you in places and in positions when he wants things to be changed. He will put you in places hoping that what you see will be enough to provoke a response inside of you so that you will change what you see because you know it's out of some kind of kingdom order. God frequently does this in the Bible. You think about Esther. Esther was put in a position where she was able to save all the Jewish people from a plan that had, 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 you know, been hatched to destroy all of them. And you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is that even Esther in that passage, do you know if you read the book of Esther, not once does she say that she went to God about that issue. Do you know that? Not once does it say that she prayed about it. You know, sometimes you just don't need to pray. Sometimes you just see things that need to be changed. And because you have kingdom values and there, there, are, there are things inside of your heart and you know the way that things should look, what you see should be enough to provoke you to action. Some people are so spiritual about stuff. Ever met really spiritual people that just have to pray over everything? Should I be generous? Mm, let me pray about it. What do you need to pray about? You know, it's like sometimes when you just know the way that things should look, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a kingdom orientated person, you just begin to make plans. And I think that when your desires are in line with kingdom values, sometimes you say to God, God, just let me at this. And sometimes he'll give you a plan. Sometimes you'll give him a plan. 
When he gives you the plan, you assume that he's in it. When you say, let me at this, and he says, yes, again, you believe that he's in it. And even though you know he's in it, you will still come to a place where you'll hit a wall. You'll still, and, and you, know, you know, when you feel like God gave you permission to do something or permission to move in a certain space or in a certain way and things consistently don't begin to work out, how many of you start to recalibrate and say, I don't know if he really said that. I'm not so sure that God is in this. See, that's what happens when you get discouraged. And discouragement over time will cause you to do interesting things. In fact, if you are discouraged over a prolonged period of time, you become accustomed to your problems in such a way that you now accept them as reality and believe that they cannot be changed. And since they cannot be changed, you just stop seeing the problems altogether. You just allow them to be. You know, when Nehemiah was told that the walls had been broken down and and the gates were burnt with fire, They were like that for a very, very long time. People had just stopped seeing the problem. People had stopped seeing the the need for things to be shifted and changed because they just accept what's impossible. And I wondered what gaps and impossible problems you'd faced in 2018. That after praying to God and going to Him consistently with the same thing, What have you started to accept is practically impossible for God to change and started to live with instead of attempting to change it? What are you you learning to just live with and say, well, this is just the way it is. I prayed this all this year and nothing's happened. So I guess this is what God wants it to be like, you know? I wonder how many of you have had sicknesses in your body that have been there so long, you just figure this is God's plan for you now. So you're just willing to accept what you know is not right because it existed so long, you forgot to see the problem was even there in the first place. I wonder if, if you have just started to accept issues that could be in your marriage. You had a vision when you got married. You know when you stood at the altar and you said, you know, I love you till death do us part. You know that you had this great vision for what your marriage was going to look like. And then years into it, it didn't really look like what you wanted it to look like. And now either one or both people have just accepted, I guess this is just as good as it gets. There's no point working on this any further. You started to lose some vision for what could be. You started to lose some vision for the, maybe some a God appointed vision that was placed in your heart, but you just started to accept what was in front of you. Maybe when it comes to your relationship with God, you know, you, you, you've just come to a place where you say, I guess God will just never speak to me. I guess this is just the way that things are. What about your finances? You, you, you had vision for what you were going to do with your workplace and your finances, and now you're in debt and you're about ready to give up. This happens to people all the time. They get to a place where they think they can go no further. In fact, I remember a story. We, we run a ministry here at Activate called CAP, Christians Against Poverty. And they, what they do is they help people that are in Australia get out of uh, debt. And uh, I was, remember speaking to one of the guys uh, who worked there. And I said, tell me a story about, uh, you know, what's the worst story you've heard? And 
The worst story that he'd heard was that there was a couple that had had over $100,000 of credit card debt. $100,000 of credit card debt. And when he met up with them, he said, well, what are you doing about it? They said, nothing. They said, what can we do? Uh, we, we started trying to do something about it, but this, is, this credit card debt has been over us for years and the interest that's being applied is so great that we, we, there is no plan that we can come up with to get out of it. They had already given up. I bet, I bet when they had that credit card bill come in the first time, they thought that they would pay it off. And they thought, hey, this is the way things are going to go. We'll use the card, we'll pay it off. We'll use the card, we'll pay it off. They used the card, it mounted, it increased, it increased until a point where they were so discouraged, they said, we just give up. We will never be financially free. The good news is, is that a couple of years later, that couple did get financially free because someone else came in with some vision and said, no, what you were thinking about in the beginning is still possible. You just gave up on it early. I wonder how many people give up too early because they didn't see what they wanted in the time that they thought it would happen in. See, there are so many gaps that you have. Uh, let me tell you this, gaps come in different forms. Sometimes you have like a how gap. It's like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work, you know, and, and you just have no idea how things will begin to work out. Let me, let me tell you something. God's plans require God's help. And I know this seems like something that you should know, but it helps to remember that. That God's plans still need God's help, even when it's from Him. And the gap that you see between where you are and where you know God told you to go, it is there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. We see this consistently through the Bible. In fact, if you look at the law and the prophets, what did the law and the prophets do but continue to tell us that we had a gap that we would never be able to cross called sin? And you'll notice that even though in the Old Testament is the summary of our best attempts and efforts to do it by might and power. But it wasn't might and power that was going to get the job done. It was always needed to be done by the Spirit of God. And so what did He do? He sent Jesus. And only Jesus will ever be able to cross that bridge and that gap we call sin to get us from where we are to the place that God has for us. See, consistently God gives us problems that will never be solved by us. And the reason why we get problems that can't be solved by us is because gaps build dependency. And dependency builds intimacy. Let me ask you a question. How are you relying on God today? How are you relying on God today? Maybe, just a thought, maybe. If you don't need to rely on God to get where you're going, that might be the best indicator that you have let go of something that God wanted you to do. Because if you can get there on your own, maybe you were discouraged back at a point where you just settled for something less than God's best. You settled for something less instead of just pressing in and, and, and keeping that thing that God gave to you in front of you and focusing on it. I'm telling you, gaps come in different forms. Sometimes you say, I don't know how this is going to be possible. That's a gap. 
Sometimes the gap that we have is like, we don't even know why we have been volunteered by God to do something. Why would you even choose me? It's an unanswered question. But I think the, the gap that we most frequently have is when. That's the most common gap that you're ever going to have. God, I heard what you said. And I believe that you said it. I just want to know. When's it going to happen? When is the thing that you spoke about? When is that going to happen? Because I've been praying for a few years now. Maybe some of you have been praying for a few years. Maybe some of you have been praying for a lifetime to see something shift and change and you're about ready to quit because you have dealt with your problems so long. You have accepted what's in front of you as a practical reality and you said, this is maybe just the way that it's going to go. So I'm no longer praying to be healed. I'm no longer praying for my marriage. I'm no longer praying for my relationship with God. I'm no longer praying for my finances. I'm just about ready to give up. I don't know how, and I don't know why, and I have no idea when. And if you've ever felt like that, and I'm telling you right now, I can promise you I have. If you've ever felt like that, that is exactly how Israel felt when they were building that temple. That's exactly how they felt. They face all three challenges and it was God's idea. And they still had a mountain. They still faced a gap because God's plans attract opposition. The enemy of your soul will never make it easy for you to live out what God has breathed in. He will never make it easy for you to do it. God's plans will always attract opposition. For the temple, it took them 17 years. And they struggled and and struggled and, and, and eventually they prevailed. But it still took them 17 years to build it. See, this what I'm about to say to you is so important that if you're taking notes, take this one. God's gaps are God's problem. And I feel like so many people would just have peace in their heart if they could understand this one thing. God's plans and God's gaps are God's problem. I wonder if the discouragement has come out of you trying to pick up what only God could carry. I wonder if Discouragement has emerged and arise out of you trying to do what only God can do. And you should just know this up front, that if only God can do it and you keep trying to, eventually you'll become frustrated. Eventually you'll become disappointed. See, God's gaps are God's problem. And if you could just let Him deal with it, He will. And maybe it won't happen in your time, but you'll save yourself some peace in the middle while you let God deal with the gaps that He put there for such a time as this. And see, when I read the book of Zechariah, this this is exactly what this theme this year has been about, is letting God deal with the things that only God can deal with. This is what it says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Then he said to me, This is the word 
of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, O great challenge? Who are you, prevailing sickness? Who are you, never-ending and mounting debt? Who are you, perpetually bad relationships? Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. That's a a mountain-crushing moment that God speaks about in the future. And He shall bring forward the top stone, which is the final piece on the temple, the final thing that the capstone, the end, the end of the vision that they hoped to see, the thing that they desired. He says, you shall bring forward the final piece and put it in place amid shouts, grace, grace to it. See, grace is what you need to crush your mountain. It's the grace of God. It's it's not your power and it's not your ability. It's not those things that's going to get the job done. You know what I have found? I have found the biggest gap that I have in the middle of God's plan is just simply my obedience. See, if you want to see God's power, you need to obey God's Word. And you got to stick with the plan. And so our biggest gap sometimes is just to listen, to hear and obey and say, yep, God, I still believe you're going to do everything that you said you're going to do. I could tell you this right now, the Word of God, it never fails. It never returns void. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but His Word will remain. It is more likely that you wake up tomorrow and everything you know is gone than for one word and one promise that God made to not come to pass. It is more likely that all of earth will pass away. That is almost unimaginable, but it's still more likely. It is still more likely than when God makes a promise and relents on it because that is not what God does. It's our obedience. You've got to remember, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, that you cannot control your gaps, but you can control your acts. You cannot control what is going on around you. And by the way, most of your stresses will come from trying to manage it. <laughs> Any control freaks in the room today? that only have peace when they can be in charge of everything. Did you understand the deal when you gave your life to Christ? Or maybe even before, the point is you are never in charge and never in control of the universe and trying to be in charge to bring you peace is the very thing that will create anxiety in your life and in your world. And peace doesn't come from being able to control everything. Do you know what? Peace comes from knowing that He is able to control everything. That's where you get your peace from. Not thinking that I need to come up with a new way to manage my gaps. You know, I can tell you this, in 2018, I personally faced more gaps than I've faced in probably the last five or 10 years. There were more things that I needed God to do this year than probably ever before. 
plenty of unanswered questions for me, for health in our family, for mezzanine floors that need to be built. Like the temple. Hey, remember, it ha- it's biblical to wait, you know. There are frustrations and unanswered questions and challenges that I have gone through. And, and, and do you know what? The interesting thing and in all of this is that, you know, when you, don't, when you have something that you need God to do, have you noticed that the level of your prayer begins to increase? Might be a reason for the gap being there in the first place because it begins to drive relationship in a different way. And so, and so I noticed something that happened to me this year in a new way, in a different way, in a way that hasn't quite happened before, is that my prayer meetings with God, I, I, I kind of gave them away without realizing it in favor of just constantly praying in a way that I haven't done it before. I mean, I'm going to work. It's, I'm, I'm praying to God. It's in my mind. It's in my heart. I was just constantly praying, constantly praying. right? And I'm not trying to become like this amazing prayer warrior. Say, hey, look how great that is. It, it, you know what it was? The reason I prayed so much is because the gaps helped me to realize how unbelievably dependent I am on God. And when you realize how dependent you are on God, there is a blessing in that called spiritual growth that you won't get in God's blessing. Because as long as everything keeps going well and everything keeps going great for you, you may never have to descend to the depths of the challenges that you face in your life and say, God, where are you in the middle of all of this? Everyone walks well in blessing, but how can you walk when things become a challenge? And so you get something in challenges when facing gaps that you'll never get in in the blessings that come with answered prayer. And so here's what you need to do. You need to draw near to God. Draw near to God. I prayed about this this week. I said, hey, God, I said, Lord, if, if I was going to give people one message before they bridge into next year, I said, what would you have me say? He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I think that when you're discouraged, it sometimes puts distance between you and God. Sometimes what we do need to do is in in the middle of whatever you're going through is you just draw near in that moment anyway. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And the, the reason that you need to draw near to God is probably because what you don't need is another brilliant strategy. That might not be what you need. I mean, it might be, but you know. What you need may not be just that one more counseling session. It might be, I mean, you can do it, but maybe that's not. Maybe what you need, it might not be to win Tats Lotto and solve miraculously all of your financial challenges. Maybe what you need will never be accomplished by your might and it'll never be accomplished by your strength because so often it's easy to try to come up with ways to solve our own problems, but the gap is there for a reason. The mountain exists so that you'll start to depend on Him in a new way. See, what you need is the presence and the Spirit of God to move fresh in your life. Maybe what you need will never be moved by might or power, but it's only ever going to be moved by His Spirit. What you need is the Holy Spirit to begin to 
shift impossible challenges and problems. Maybe what you need is God to close the gap. So don't accept as truth something you once had vision to change because the problem has existed for longer than you wanted it to. God is just as able now as He ever was. His power, His authority is not diminished in every way because you don't have what you've been praying for. He is just as mighty. He is just as great. He is just as powerful. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Lord God Almighty. All power is at His fingertips. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has every resource and every capacity and every ability. So don't get discouraged because you haven't seen it yet. The truth is a lot of us live with challenges about when and why and how. Their gaps, it's okay. They develop a thing called dependence and out of that you get growth that you never get. If all God did is bless you, bless you and bless you. I'm telling you right now, As we begin to close out this year, 2018 was a year that we called by His Spirit because we knew that there would need to be things that God would do this year that we would never be able to do on our own. And so tomorrow is New Year's Eve and the year comes to an end. But just because the year comes to an end doesn't close off the season of what God wants to do. Just because the year ends, it doesn't necessarily mean that this was your chance to have a mountain be crushed and it didn't happen. See, maybe while you're listening to all the testimonies of people that have had their prayers answered, you're among the people saying, I'm still waiting. And maybe you are. And if you are, that's okay. Because when it ticks over to 2019, the season of miracles doesn't end. They have been going for thousands of years and they'll continue to go for thousands of years. It's not the end. In fact, you know what I think? When we theme a year, it's not supposed to be at the end. It ends. It means when it ends it stacks see seasons begin to stack so maybe you were crossing over and now you need things by your spirit but next year it's just as accessible as it is this year so don't be discouraged and don't be dismayed because God is just as able this season and the next to do what you've been praying for all this time why don't you stand to your feet for a minute Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.